Well, joining us for this week's Asri Report, we have uh, the Director of Programs at Asri, Brian Fakir. Brian, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And nice to chat to you again, Brian. So, yeah, we're just over midway through the second month of the year. It feels like a year in itself. And uh, <laughs> political and governance stories continue to come through thick and fast. We had Sona last week and there's still issues that uh, are being debated we'll, we'll touch on that a little later but first in, in general right related to the performance of government our, our listeners are not familiar with uh, with the rapper aka uh, but they would have heard um, in in the news because it's been covered extensively about uh, the hit on him and and his friend and this comes now on the back of uh, a number of other such um, you know hit st- uh, style killings and it raises many serious and critical issues about the ease with which incidents of this nature can occur in the society. Whether in this case it was a revenge killing or a random crime or an ordered hit, uh, all, all options are indicative only of a further decline in safety, security and policing. Or does it say something more about society, Brian? Unfortunately, Molana, it must. Um, you know, how is it that in a society where we know that policing and security as the as the instruments of the state are in serious decline, right? We're probably the only country in the world where we have the amount of private security, armed private security, uh, that is as prevalent as it is. I don't think there's any other country in the world where the legitimate user of force, that is the state, that is the government, is the only uh, legitimate armed formation on the scale that it is, right? And here we have, in some cases, some people say even private security, which is outnumbering the number of police and so on. Now, of course, it's because of extraordinary circumstances that exist in the society. So, so there's no doubt that there's a, there's a need for it. But whether that need uh, should be fulfilled in this particular way or not is a different question. But to come to the issue of the person you raised in question, this, this rapper guy, whether he was an ordered hit, as you say, or a random crime, or any other kind of thing. Clearly, these things are committed, and while the police should be able to apprehend these people, and it's been a week now since it happened, uh, apparently. I think it was last Friday when when this thing hit the news big time. Uh, Surely by now there should be some lead or something. And even if there isn't, how is it that people in a society can simply behave this, this way? Because clearly this is not someone who's not... Not an alien, you know, hmm. or uh, uh, you know. Sure, we've got a lot of people who are here illegally, etc. But even then, they are—they exist within a community. They are in a city. They are not in some isolated, random place. They don't come from some other world. They are not aliens. They from within the community. Someone must know something. Someone must have seen something. But clearly, it's a society in which. Uh, it's evident that though there's a major decline on the formal aspects of policing, security, governance, there's also a social, a societal, a cultural aspect where this is seemingly accepted. And single out this this, this guy, the rapper, uh, singer, musician, um, whatever, think of all the other random killings that you have. For example, whistleblower. 
but be mm. that your current. Uh, no movement on that. We know nothing about that. You have other random killings, and we know that the murder rate in South Africa is higher than it is in some places where there is an active conflict. That means situations of active war sometimes have less casualties in a year than South Africa has, and we are supposedly considered a society at peace. So while there is a well-worn kind of analysis that, yes, there's a major decline in crime, I mean, in crime policing, in intelligence, in detective services, in the police, uh, we also very well know that this is a society in which the police themselves can get robbed. Hmm, (laughs) It's in the news every day. There's police stations where vehicles go missing, ammunition go missing, police themselves implicated in crimes, in active crimes, in hijacking, in robberies, and so on. So, Yes, that's true. That's happening. The state is weak. Its capability for security and policing is weak. But there is something about the civic and the cultural and the ethical morality amongst the public. And I suspect, you know, everyone in communities is complicit in this. Uh, We can't excuse or blame any one particular community. The idea of buying goods whose origins you sometimes don't know at, at prices which are unbelievable, that kind of thing goes on. Evasion of 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 of, of tax, evasion or avoidance, even sometimes of other obligations uh, in in business and elsewhere. Those are all minor incremental issues which contribute to the undermining of this culture of compliance, as you would call it. But the act of criminality. The active victimization of people, the high levels of crime, of domestic violence, of, of conflicts in society, it's like in the Western Cape, you know, gangsterism. There, there's, you know, the policing thing helps. The social crime prevention measures should help, such as providing alternative distractions, good schools, good education, community centers, cultural uh, supporting, uh, artistic and other kind of pursuits which distract the youth, take them off the street, take people out of these kind of circumstances. Those can all help. But fundamentally, in the absence of those, at least there are countries, for example, which are as poor as South Africa, yeah. or even poorer. There are countries which are even uh, worse off, yet the levels of crime and the levels of violence are not as high as they are here. Some people say, no, it's because of the contagion effect of inequality. You know, that people see some people have so much, others have absolutely nothing. The point is there are countries poorer more unequal than South Africa. And Brazil is a good example, though they also have such high levels of crime. So inequality is one explanatory factor, but there's definitely a explanatory factor about the nature of the culture and the way in which the society has evolved, in which this kind of seemingly random act of criminality and violence is, is acceptable. Uh, and unfortunately, that's, that's the reality. Now, on a related issue, and this is the one that's in all of our minds, load shedding. Yesterday, Eskom put out a statement appealing to the community to help stem the tide when it comes to sabotage and theft, especially theft of materials from infrastructure. And they're saying that if they can stop this, they can save some money. Uh, on top of that, you've got the state of disaster, which the president has declared, and his intention now to have a, man- a minister within his presidency to focus on electricity. 
Will, will all of this help at the end of the day? <laughs> well, you know, there may be, there's going to be a minister of electricity, but there'll be no CEO for ESCOM uh, <laughs> come come the end of March. So there'll be a minister, but no CEO to run the run the utility. Well, you know, every measure will help. There's no doubt. Every measure will help. But let's just let's just take this the stemming from what I've just said about. The, the nature, the culture, the character, what's going on uh, at the level of values, morality, ethics um, in the society. ESCOM has to put out a statement saying that the petty vandalism, sometimes even petty theft, which happens during times of, of uh, blackouts or load shedding, as we euphemistically call it, there's active damage where, you know, the mentality, the culture that I was just talking about, where people go around sabotaging small local level infrastructure, a substation or something like that, right? So that's just people being silly, being naughty. Uh, sometimes I think it's people who think we're just being, uh, we're just being otherwise. It seems innocuous, but it's not because it costs them something in the order of 700,000 close to a million to repair, sometimes even with a small issue, each one of those substations. And they're saying on average, in Gauteng alone, in Gauteng alone, you know, it's those green, those little green things you see dotted over in, 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 in communities. Those little substations come at the cost of, they say, between 700,000 and a million. And on average in Gauteng, they're having to repair at least two a week. Mm two a week. That's just in Gauteng where those things are destroyed. Take it one level further where there's active destruction of those kind of substations where people either steal a transformer from it as a little unit within it cabling, copper wires wiring, steel casing, whatever the case might be. Then if you have to replace the whole unit okay, so that's another, that's another cost. Now there's a new feature in which the pylons, the pylons are being affected, mm. which means that they've, and just recently someone appeared in the, in the Rudaput Magistrates Court in possession with the steel that comes off of these pylons. Uh, and they're now supposedly out in 25,000 rand bail, which, by the way, is very low, which should tell you something again about the nature of the justice system when dealing with these kind of crimes. So so you have that kind of thing. And surely stemming the tide of that will contribute somewhat to the amount of revenue which is available to ESCOM. But, you know, if you ask your question is, can this help? It every little bit helps, sure. But the reality right now is that the ESCOM problem, the load shedding problem, is no more a governance and a policy problem. It's moved our budget problem. It's moved on from that. It's now an engineering or science or physics problem because the lack of maintenance, the repair, added to it, the corruption, the destruction, the active sabotage, etc., makes it now both a criminal issue but also an issue merely of requiring time to be able to build the substation, the generation lines, the transmission line, the generation capacity, transmission lines, and so on, to actually do this. Because at the moment, whatever excess capacity there is in electricity, in generation, can't be fed into a grid because the, you know, the infrastructure simply can't handle it. So it's a, it's a physics problem. It's, a, it's an engineering problem. 
So any governance intervention, though they are necessary in the short term, is not going to really relieve much. And having a state of disaster could perhaps target focused attention on these issues of theft, maybe dealing with some of the corruption that's happening, some of the active sabotage and so on. But it won't really in and of itself be able to solve the problem which requires time, which requires efficiency in building the new infrastructure which is required in order for new generation and transmission. So those things are necessary instead of, you know, having a state of disaster, which we had a state of disaster for COVID. We saw that there was corruption there too. Some people fear that this might happen again. And having a minister, a dedicated minister, might simply duplicate functions. And again, everything here depends on how much political will there is in the cabinet to allow this new minister to go ahead and do the kind of necessary uh, regulatory interventions which are required to allow private producers to come on stream, to license independent power producers, which Mr. Mantashi, by the way, has been dragging his feet on. Mm. So those, those are interventions which are required rather than having an additional minister or a state of disaster. But sure, curbing the crime and so on, that can help, but can help only to a limited extent, unfortunately. And then finally... Uh some reflection on, 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 on SONA. We know that the debate has been going on for quite some time uh, in the broader community in terms of the EFF's behavior. But uh, w- what's your take on the performance of the parties in the debate on the State of the Nation Address uh, in, in, in Parliament and how that indicates towards the future of our politics? Uh, unfortunately, Mona, you have to think whether these guys are engaged in serious politics and oversight or whether this is just politics. Hmm. Because in one instance you have, we just talked about the state of disaster and whether it's necessary, can it help? Sure, it might help a little way. You have one opposition party which asks that there should be a state of disaster. As in their words, an emergency should be declared around ESCOM and the provision of electricity and power. And that was the DA. Once that's been declared, they now say no, they're against it. Well, they should have been clear about what exactly they are asking for. Now, at one level, as I say, it can help. At another level, it can't help because the reality is, as I say, it's an engineering and a time and other issue, not a governance policy budget issue now. It has a limited impact on it, but be that as it may. So you have that one contradiction that's out. The second is you have the EFF predictably doing what the EFF has always been doing. If first disrupts owner, and they now come and engage in the debate on SONA. But say nothing really sensible. Instead, in some merely saying that uh, we must opt, uh, bizarrely, for building a full nuclear fleet, which would take close to a decade. So any other intervention barring that we have to be living with this kind of situation for a decade until there is a proper nuclear build. No one thinks carefully about... If you can't handle things which are less risky now, what would, it, what would happen if you have reliance on nuclear power, but you don't have the capacity, the safety protocols and everything else? Because we know that a lot of governance is just merely things are ignored. And in, if you have that kind of thing, you can't take the lackadaisical approach that we have to governance, to compliance, to oversight, to accountability. Something can go wrong, and the consequences are fairly disastrous. Unfortunately, 
if you think about this carefully, what it does appear to suggest is that it doesn't look like these guys are taking this really seriously. This is merely about being in politics to ascend to positions and to exercise authority and power. And it is about exercising authority without any responsibility. And it's about wanting power without any accountability. So once you have that equation, which has to be turned on its head, you can't have instances where authority is being exercised without any accountability and you use power without any responsibility. That you're taking the trust of the public completely for granted. And unfortunately, it means that the level of credibility that the public have, the trust and confidence that they have in public institutions is declining so fast that the legitimacy of the entire governance system is is now being called into question. Uh, And if that's not reversed in the next five years, then I'm afraid you're looking at a situation in which self-provisioning, community self-governance, self-making of of services that you require will have to be done privately. And we don't need to look far. Part of that is already starting to happen where some communities in the Northwest, Costa and so on, have taken their municipality to court. The state has been declared by the government not to be able to functionally run the municipality. So at a micro level, it's already Mm. happening. And the courts have said, yes, communities can pay their rates, their taxes and everything into a trust account. And that trust with a team elected by the community can replace the municipality and run those services. So you've got a duplication. And once that starts to happen, which is already starting to happen everywhere else, you're looking at a society where increasingly you will have to rely for all of these things on private provision. Uh, And that would be sad. Indeed. Ibrahim, as always, shukran so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. That was this week's Asri Report with Asri's